Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of No Script, No Problem on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. I've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about the documentary film To The End. It's out in theaters right now. I've got director Rachel Lears and one of the fantastic participants in the film, Alexandra Rojas. They will be chatting with me shortly. I want to tell you a little bit about Rachel and Alexandra and a little bit about the film before we get started. Rachel Lears documentary director. You probably saw her last film on Netflix called Knock Down the House. It was about four women, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Cori Bush, who all ran for the House of Representatives back in 2018 and were able to win. So that was a great film. And this is Rachel's follow-up to that. My other guest, Alexandra Rojas, is the executive director of Justice Democrats. And this is a group that recruits and trains primary challengers, often young working class people of color, to unseat less progressive incumbents. She was part of the group who helped elect Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who just so happens to be in to the end. Now, let's talk about this film. Filmed over four years, to the end captures the emergence of a new generation of environmental leaders and the movement behind the most sweeping climate change legislation in U.S. history. Award-winning director Rachel Lears follows four exceptional young women, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, activist Varshini Prakash, climate policy writer Rihanna Gun Wright and political strategist Alexandra Rojas. They all grapple with new challenges of leadership and power and work together to defend their generation's right to a future. So I can't wait for you to hear this interview that I did with Rachel and Alexandra. Here we go. Okay. So the documentary is to the end. My guests are Rachel Lears and Alexandra Rojas. Rachel is the director of the film. Alexandra is one of the stars or one of the featured players of the film. It is a really powerful, really important film that tackles the climate crisis. Rachel, uh, my first question, you could have tackled a lot of uh, issues in your documentary that follows Knock Down the House. Why did you decide, let's go and, and hit the, uh, the climate crisis? Yeah, I mean, when we were finishing up Knock Down the House in fall of 2018, we were in post-production, and that was the moment when that really important report came out from the UN that said, we have to make these rapid, far-reaching, and unprecedented changes in all aspects of society by the year 2030 in order to avoid the worst effects of the climate crisis. So that really galvanized a lot of people, including me, to, to focus more 
on the climate crisis. And I already knew Alexandra Rojas, who was also involved in, in my last film. She was part of the team that recruited Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the, and the other folks that we, we followed and knocked on the house to run for office originally. And uh, we were in conversation with representative-elect at that time, Ocasio-Cortez, about uh, potentially continuing to work together. So it all kind of came together in this project, which follows some of the key players behind the Green New Deal, which is an ambitious plan to really decarbonize the U.S. economy and do everything that the scientists are saying we have to do and do it in a way that makes economic and racial justice part of the solution. So we wanted to, to tack, tackle this really from the perspective of solutions and from the perspective of, of what is it going to take to create that political will that the scientists say is, is, is the main obstacle to getting this done. So, so we followed these four incredibly brilliant and, uh, and amazing women who are working in, in different ways inside and outside of government, but with, within all within the same movement to really push the envelope of what's considered politically possible. And the incredible thing is that over the four years that, that we were working with them, they, they succeeded. They, they really did create the conditions of possibility for the United States to pass major climate policy for the first time in our history uh, this past August. This was uh, one of those films that you were kind of on the edge of your seat because it was a present tense story. You're going, you know, you're in on along the ride with your subjects like Alexandra. Alexandra, you're the executive director of Justice Democrats. And so your your job here, you know, you what you're doing here in terms of um, helping to elect uh, progressives, you play a big part in this film. And I, what I love is how honest and how authentic you are, but the stress, you know, to not just get these folks elected, but to push forward, as Rachel was talking about, the Green New Deal and these progressive climate actions is very, it's very obvious. Can you talk about um, being open and honest on film and kind of this, what, you know, this process of what you had to deal with over the course of these four years? Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on, by the way. And, and yeah, I mean, it, you could see it, it was tough. Um, <laughs> Um, across the board there there's a lot of footage that's not even in there uh, that I know Rachel knows she, she has even more and you know I in the film I bring a lot of the the political and, and media perspective and Rachel says this all the time but in particular during the media media it was during the presidential cycle it you know the the particularly the mainstream media is historically tough on progressives or just I think working people in, in general. And so it's, it's an it's a, it's an opportunity whenever you get to go on to talk about what we're fighting for and, and what we're up against, but it's also an adversarial ground. Uh, and you can see some of that in, in the film. And, and I think for me, you know, I, that's the only way I know how to be is very upfront and, and <laughs> my, myself, I think that's our, that's our strength as justice Democrats and as a movement there is, this is what you get. And, you know, I think it's really important to me, especially because, you know, we're recruiting this next generation of diverse working class progressive leadership because Congress right now and, and the people that, that buy uh, elections are millionaires, they're billionaires. And, and I think it's really important for especially young women of color, you know, like myself, Farshni Rihanna, 
uh, Alexandria in the film to to see themselves in in not only positions of power like like Alexandria, but leading the fight and being a part of big strategy conversations. And in particular, I think in this and a, a lot of women in general that are in this field go from these deep, intense strategy, political conversations, recruiting different candidates, talking to incumbents to having to go on live television um, in, in a matter of minutes and then switch back uh, to, to that mode and, and all of it. So it's, it's definitely challenging, but I hope that a lot of people are inspired to like do that kind of work, which is the behind the scenes, not always the most sexy, but is, is actually what keeps, keeps stuff going. Absolutely. Yeah. The two moments that really stick out to me were the one that you are prepping to go live and you're rehearsing and I can, you know, you can feel that palpable stress in you. And then the one where you're after the live hit and you're obviously frustrated at, you know, the response. And I think you're, what you say is I had resting bitch face. And what I love both for you, uh, Rachel, and then for you, Alexandra, is just that honesty and the effort. You can just feel for, for you, Rachel, that you're rolling at this raw, authentic moment. And then for you, Alexandra, to be able to show that. Because like you said, it's like we all see, you know, when we're watching the news, when we're following the news cycle, we're just seeing the talking heads. We're just seeing the policy that's being put out by these candidates. So I'll start with you, Rachel. How did you go about making sure that you were there for these moments that were true, that were authentic? Uh, we'll start with you. And then after that, Alexandra, how did you feel about make, you know, showing this side of yourself? Because I'm sure there's a part of you that just wants to show being polished and making sure that you, know, you get that word out that you want. Well, I'm just so grateful to Alexandra and everyone who appeared in the film for, for trusting me and our team enough to, to show those behind the scenes moments, because you know, I really think of long form documentary as a real antidote to the 24 hour news cycle and the social media ecosystem universe that we're all steeped in all the time where where you know hot takes are really short and there's no room for nuance and what what you have over the course of i mean 90 minutes is still a huge you know compression for 4 years uh and and all of the history and individual uh lives everything that we covered but it's it's also a a longer uh what what we try to do is create a a story that's going to draw people in and really keep them with us for that length of time to really think about these these complex and uh, and serious issues like the climate crisis, which maybe people aren't super excited to think about. But the only way to do that, I think, as a filmmaker, is to work with people who are are so compelling in just what they're doing. What they're doing is amazing. Who they are is amazing. And you know my task my life's work is to is to build that trust and create those spaces where people can feel comfortable enough to allow some of that stuff to be on camera and then it's a it's a constant process of conversation i mean there's plenty of stuff that maybe i would have liked to film that we don't get a chance to film and uh cuz it'll either disrupt the work they're doing or it's just too sensitive you know but but through that conversation we reach a place that that we're all comfortable with 
I'm, I'm glad you said that, Rachel. Like, Rachel and I have known each other for, what, like five or six years now. And, you know, when I first started, I was just one of the first staffers that could get paid to be able to do the, the sort of grassroots work that, that we were doing. And I definitely do not feel comfortable. <laughs> I, the only reason why I do TV, why I do documentaries is because I believe so deeply in the work that we're doing and not enough people it's because it's really tough um, are willing to, to put themselves out there. And I, I probably wouldn't have done it for anyone else, but with Rachel, because of the relationship that I've built with her and that she's put in to really building community with us and in a really intentional way, but also from a journalistic perspective. And I just respect you, Rachel, so, so much for that. And it, it, it means so much, but yeah, I, I think in terms of how, how it feels like I, I definitely am not someone like I, I can get comfortable on camera. I can get comfortable doing things like this, but I, I think the reality for a lot of people that do it is it takes a lot of emotional and ultimately like physical, like performing <laughs> and are, are not even necessarily performing. Cause you see in the film, I'm very raw, but you know, at like on TV, for example, you know, after that, I'm like, oh, 12 hours later, I had the best line that I could think of. Um, so it's very stressful and and very can can be kind of lonely because I know that there's there's not everybody gets that that opportunity. And so I I want to do as good a job as I can to be representative of of not just Justice Democrats, but it's you know all the policies and and people that that have come before us and are fighting for us. So I I feel very honored to to have been even considered and, and asked and also it's it's definitely a bit uncomfortable putting myself out there but I feel like it's it's also deeply necessary and you know I I'm so I I also probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for doing it together with Farshni and and Rihanna and Alexandria who I just have the most utmost respect but also just that's who brings me inspiration all of my team all of the people along the way. So I just want to add real quick. I mean, thank you for that, Alex. And it just, it takes courage to, to do the work that, that these folks are doing and to, to be in a documentary and do, doing, doing things that aren't totally comfortable, but that, you know, are important just takes enormous amounts of courage. So that has really, you know, working with, with you, Alex, and as well as Varshini and Rihanna and Alexandria over the past four years has really kept me going. As we all know, it's been a, a doozy of a moment in history we've all been through and it's, you know, it's still going. So uh, I hope the film can, you know, share that courage with people to fight the, the, the cynicism and the disillusionment. That's just, it's really easy to feel in the U.S. right now, in the world, you know, there's so much going on, but, uh, but seeing people that have the guts to do what these folks are doing and are succeeding at it, despite all the setbacks, you know, we don't want to sugarcoat that. That's, that's really what um, we hope people will take away from the film. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. I, I think that the cynicism is also very intentional and you can see that in the, in the film with where everything they try to, and particularly, I know all of us in the film get it from all different aspects, but this lots of corporations, lots of, you know, they want us to feel hopeless and it's really easy to fall into that. But I think having a community of support, particularly in, in this movement has been really important. Let's talk about the cynicism because the film has a, has an arc that kind of follows that you start with the green new deal and then there's build back better. And 
there's the Inflation Reduction Act. And you do see a level of cynicism and hope and, and it builds. Alexander, can you talk about kind of the effort and, and the evolution of climate policy? And I know this is a lot for a podcast because it's very com complicated, but can you talk about the efforts when you, when Representative Ocasio-Cortez came into office and how kind of climate, you attacked climate policy and then how it had to evolve in order to actually get legislation passed and also the roller coaster of emotions that went along with it? I think that's a great question. You know, I think Varshney and, and Rihanna are, are policy experts on the history of, of climate. I'd, I'd say, you know, our, our role in particular, you know, with Alexandria was recruiting and ultimately unseating the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House to create. And, and that was not, you know, going after the Republicans, the sort of clear boogeyman in, in our politics right now. It was actually having a debate within the Democratic Party, the main vehicle in our two party system to really enact change for for working class people in this country about the direction and future of of, of where we should be going and and you know, who we're fighting for, what we're up against, and what solutions match the scale, scope, and urgency of the crisis. So I feel like Justice Democrats' role has been to really change the weather in D.C. to make these ideas a lot more possible. And I think the way that we have identified strategically that we've been able to, to leverage that has been in challenging incumbents that are out of step and don't reflect the base of the Democratic Party that is increasingly looking like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jamal Bowman, Cori Bush, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, and now Summer Lee and Greg Kassar, who, who we just elected uh, in 2022. So that moment that you see really when Rachel starts filming is, is right after that and, and knock down the house. And I think that's really important because that, what do you use, what do, what do you use your power for when you get elected? Because you can't, a lot of times right now, you know, there, it's a 97% incumbency rate in the Democratic Party. And it's a big deal. We've we just that one election really changed that that statistic in, in a huge way. And what she did with her power, even before she she got elected, she got right away with right away to it was work alongside not just the climate movement, but young people, the, truly the next generation. And, and I think, you know, people can debate on the tactic of, 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 direct action and all of that. But that is what got, you know, the attention of the news media that typically ignores <laughs> and does not want to talk about this, this crisis in a, in a new, in the, in the way that it deserves and put it at the top of the agenda in Washington. And I think that, you know, the film, because it does it, it, it you know, goes a little bit into policy, but really is going after the power structures that are halting progress. And so that, that's sort of, you know, after that moment and sort of launching the, the Green New Deal after sitting in Speaker Pelosi's office and really kicking off sort of this decade of, of the Green New Deal, I think was, was really important. And there's been a ton of groups. There's been a ton of work that's been, you know, not just Rihanna and Varsity and myself through our organizations, but so many uh, that, that have been doing this work, frontline communities, policy, think tanks, and and, you know, from the mainstream, from the grassroots, all, all aspects have really brought us to this point where even though the film ends with the, the Inflation Reduction Act and it's the biggest climate investment in history, we know that it's not enough. But look how much it took just to get 
to that point. And a lot of it, I think we can say started with a little primary in New York City in one of the most diverse districts in America. And so the, the connection can sometimes feel very distant, but I think the I really admire Rachel's focus on the power dynamics here and not just the policy, because I think the policy is critical. That's what's going to transform people's lives. We need to get it passed within our lifetime. That's what's going to bring down emissions. And also the power, the barriers of and the amount of power that the fossil fuel industry has over politicians and corporations in this country is is tough. And that has to be a huge part of our strategy of actually getting it fully implemented. Rachel, you face many challenges as a storyteller in this film. You don't know anything that's going to happen. Like that that is probably the biggest challenge that I noticed. I mean, you have no idea if the Green New Deal is going to pass. You have no idea if Build Back Better is going to pass. Like you don't know where your story is going to end, uh, any twists and turns. The other thing is politics kind of boring at times. Um, And then people have done a lot of films on climate change. Like those were the things as I was watching that I was like, wow, this is a tall task for her. How did you approach this film from a storytelling standpoint? How did you deal with challenges like those? Well, uh, I've been making verite films in, in documentary for a long time. And, you know, there's always this element of, you're going to have to be gaming out the possible storylines. You know, I always start with people who I want to meet some compelling people that are going to be going on some kind of interesting journey over the next year or more. Um, It's never been quite four years before, but in this case, it was four years. Um, And, uh, and, and through conversation with them, you sort of try to get a sense of what they're hoping might happen. And you write your treatments of, you know, how you think the story will go. And then you revise those. And um, in, in the case of this film, you know, when we started out, it really felt like uh, that uh, moment in 2018 when the UN scientists, this apolitical body of scientists was coming out and saying, political will, that is what we need to stop the climate crisis, to solve this problem. It's not, you know, we have the technology, the finance can be worked out, it's political will. So because we'd already been coming off this project with Knock Down the House of exploring what it takes to make politically impossible things possible, it really felt to me like this is an angle on the climate crisis that has not been explored. And this is a really opportune moment to do that. So uh, so there isn't any other film that looks at, uh, you know, so directly how, what are those power structures that are standing in the way of progress on this issue in at, at the at the federal level in the United States? So, um, and, and looking at that through the eyes of people who are really seeing it up close, right? And who are dealing with that on a on a day-to-day level in in their life's work. So so that um that was you know the concept for the film. And as we went forward, I think you know the biggest challenge for I think anybody who made a film in the last several years was the pandemic because when it hit the US in March of, of 2020, you know, as you can see in the film, just days after we were filming with Alexandra down in Texas, it's all already on the TV there, uh talking about uh being on cruise ships in California. So uh we had a whole production schedule lined up for what we thought was going to happen, what we thought we were going to follow. And of course, everyone involved had a whole schedule of what they were going to be doing 
throughout that year leading up to the 2020 election and perhaps beyond. And all of that had to go out the window. People that we were following had to make new plans about what they were going to do and everything shifted to online. And as filmmakers, we had to come up with creative ways to continue to uh, to follow what they were doing because it was they didn't slow down. So, you know, there was so much going on during that year for the story of the film. It wasn't like we could just take a break and, you know, come back in a year later. So we did remote interviews with everyone. We sent them audio equipment that was uh, similar to the audio equipment we were using in our, our interviews with the camera and did the the visuals on Zoom so that the interviews that you see and uh, that you hear during that section of the film were uh, and you you don't see the zoom because we we covered that with uh, observational footage that we were able to capture outdoors in safe environments through through that year. So it really forced us to be creative about what kinds of environments we were filming in and how to how to shoot in a way that would feel like you're with these folks through that time, even though we obviously weren't with them physically through that time. But then once the 2020 election happened, I mean, I think before that we had a list of like, here's seven possible ways it could go, depending on what happens with the 2020 election. And, you know, once it gets decided that the Democrats control the House, the Senate and the presidency, it's kind of just two things like will they or won't they manage to get something passed? So then the final act of the film becomes exploring what is it like uh, when there is obviously not enough power to achieve everything you had wanted, but it, uh, they succeeded in getting climate policy with jobs and justice for working people into the agenda of the Democratic Party and the Biden administration. And it, it completely changed the way people talk about these issues. Um, you, you can't talk about climate without talking about environmental justice now. That's in, in huge part due to the climate justice movement and the Green New Deal framework. Um, and, you know, so many other groups, as, as Alexander mentioned, you know, it's not just these folks that they have coalitions with lots and lots of people uh, who've been working on this as well. So I think, that, you know, the challenge is is always there with Verite films, but this one had a really specific set of, of challenges with the, the particular timeline of the legislation since we had decided, you know, we've got to see where this where this goes. You know, they've gotten so close already. When we premiered at Sundance, the film had a different ending than it does now. At that point, the, the climate policy had not passed. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin had just made it clear that he was not going to support the Build Back Better agenda. So that was that was a, a, a different vibe to that ending. Of course, you know, we tried to make, you know, and we did in, in the, the that cut, you know, the the people that we focused on are, are so inspiring in their determination to keep fighting this fight. You know, that's still there in the film, but we were incredibly glad to be able to include major legislation passing because, you know, it's huge material change for the country and, and really a win, as AOC says in the film, for the world, because the U.S. is historically such a big carbon polluter. While we're not totally able to lead the world on the issue yet, you know, we're not doing enough, I would say, but um, but we can at least be part of that conversation and, and haven't lost 
all credibility on the world stage as we would have if nothing had passed. So um, so in the film, we had to re-edit that. And I'm really glad we had the opportunity with our uh, distribution schedule to do that. It was just in time. We finished the, the, we delivered, I think at the end of September and the film comes out in theaters today. Uh, we're, we're recording here on Friday, December 9th. It's out in theaters in over 120 cities uh, around the country. You can find locations and, and get tickets on our website to the endfilm.com. And if you're listening to this after the theatrical window, check the website and you'll see how it rolls out across the other platforms uh, over the next few months. I love, I, I can only imagine your editors like chilling out on a beach and then you call and you're like, uh, I hope you're, you're not working on anything because we have to do a re-edit. Actually, the, our, our editor is my husband, uh, Robin Blotnick. So he, he followed every, every twist and turn and, you know, just in, it, it helps a lot to have an editor who's that close to the project and willing to, to jump back in when needed. How convenient over dinner. By the way, can we do just a quick re-edit? Yeah, yeah. It takes it takes a lot of work. I hope I hope never to have to do this again. We we actually had an intermediate cut as well. We finished this film three times, but this is the final version coming out. And we're we're so glad it's the one that that really shows just the monumental change that has happened over the course of these four years. So everybody should go out to the theater and see to the end. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you so much, Stephen. Really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much, Stephen. That's going to do it for another episode of No Script, No Problem on Believe. Thanks to my guests, Alexandra Rojas and Rachel Lears. Make sure to see their film to the end in theaters now. Before I go, I want to recommend Wednesday on Netflix. It's the Adams Family like spinoff or unique take on the Adams Family, it's from Tim Burton, and I really enjoyed it. Jenna Ortega plays Wednesday Adams. It's really funny, and if you are a fan of the original Adams Family, you'll like it, as well as somebody who wants like a fresh take. It was really clever and very stylish. you got to love the costume design and the set design that's very Tim Burton. As for something I did not like, Black Adam. I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson. I, I gave it a shot, but... Wow, I'm really hoping James Gunn can turn the DC universe around. All right, that's all I got. Um, if you got some emails to send to me, hit me up. No script, no problem podcast at gmail.com. For everybody listening, please remember, subscribe, download, and rate the show with five stars. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, and TuneIn. You can also find it at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Follow me on Twitter and post news. That's at Steve Berkowitz and on Instagram at Steve M Berkowitz. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact believe at believe.com. Thanks for listening until next time. I'm Steve Berkowitz for no script, no problem. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.